Hey everybody, this is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. And this week, I decided it would be really cool and fun to have the entire printing and design department of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse on to help host. Hi, Levi. Oh, hello. Didn't see you there. (laughs) Levi is my still 15-year-old son. Tell him about the merchandise, Levi. Well, so I do all the merchandise. Uh, I have um, shirts, mugs, pretty much anything that you think you want a logo on, uh, I can do it. We we don't have a lot out right now. We just have shirts. Uh, But I'm working on kind of perfecting, putting things on uh, mugs and glasses and those will be out on the store or you can you can find it at the goodnursebadnurse.com and all of our mugs anything like glassware or anything like that uh, all helps benefit CARM which is a what does CARM stand for? Oh, Knox Area Rescue oh, yeah. Ministries. Knox Area Rescue Ministries. So uh, we get all of our mugs and wine glasses and everything from there because whatever you buy there at those stores funds helping homeless people feed them and give them a place to stay. Well, we're going to have like a separate area within in the store. I did that, not know that. Yeah, that will say it will be like the CARM collection because that way you sort of know if you purchase that coffee mug or that glass or whatever it is then you know that the money that was used to purchase that item went to help feed a homeless person because we're purchasing them whether or not we sell them or not. We're just purchasing them and then putting them, Levi will put designs on them and then we put them on there. And if they sell, they sell. And if uh, we get them sold, of course, we'll just go buy more. And I just love the idea of repurposing things. I love thrift stores and I Definitely love that organization. CARM is a wonderful, wonderful organization. They do help our homeless here, and we do have a lot of them. And so I don't, they they really, there aren't a lot of places for them to go if it wasn't for CARM. And so I, I appreciate them so much. And I love their stores, and they're all over this area. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful organization. And I'm really happy to be able to just do, you know, some one small thing to be able to help that um, organization. Also, I'm not just, you know, straight good nurse, bad nurse. I can do really any shirt, you know, it's really just, it's kind of like my own business. Um, but I make, I do make shirts for my mom, uh, for good nurse, bad nurse. But you, if you have, if you have anything really that you want on a shirt, you can tell me and, uh, I can, I can make that for you. Oh my goodness. I have created a monster. Yes, you have. Anyway, I guess we can get started with our stories. So. Today, we are going to be talking about a nurse from Ohio. So all you guys from Ohio, this is kind of a shout out to you, I guess. Good nurse or bad nurse? Well, the first nurse, uh, the first uh, story is always the bad nurse story. Levi, you would know that if you listen to the podcast. I do not. (laughs) (laughs) My family, they're so supportive. (laughs) Oh my goodness. They're going to think we're all terrible. Anyway, so the, this nurse, his name is Andrew Martin. He was, at the time that this happened, 23 years old. And he was a nurse at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. And at the time, there was a patient 
in the hospital that he was caring for. This patient's name was George Wareheim. He was 83 years old. He had been sick for a while, a number of years, and he had Alzheimer's, which is, of course, is very sad, you know, and um, his memory had been declining and it, it, it's, it was, he was just in poor health. So it, on December 4th, um, 2010, he did pass away. So at the same time, there was a man by the name of David Simons who would work for Mr. Wareheim doing some carpentry work and that sort of thing. And Mr. Wareheim, the man that passed away, had a sister and her name was Joy. And she was the administrator of his estate, okay? She was in charge of his estate. And so she put his house up for sale and was working on getting a buyer. And so then she finds out that this David person, who's the carpenter that worked for Mr. Wareheim, was actually living in the house. And so also Andrew Martin, the nurse. So that's really strange. And she was shocked about this. They claimed that her brother had deeded the house to them nine months before he died. Yeah. So, well, and, and it seems odd that she's the administrator of his estate, but she wouldn't have been told by her brother that he just decided to give his house away. Because according to them, he literally turned the deed of his house over to this man who worked for him for no charge whatsoever. He just gifted it to him. So he said that the deed of the house just showed up in his mailbox one day. And so, of course, you know, she's she's like, no, there's no way that my brother would have done this. And she called the police. And that just started a lawsuit. And it went to probate court. And they fought over the rights to the deed to this house. And a judge eventually sided with Joy Comey, the sister. And he voided that deed that obviously was questionable. You know, Mr. Wareheim had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So even if somehow they could have, he, you know, he did turn over the deed, I think it would have still been questionable as to, you know, the validity of that. Because... If someone is confused, they can be easily manipulated to do something like that. And you have this person who has, this man's sister had no idea, this Mr. Simons, the carpenter. His sister doesn't know him. His sister's like, where did you come from? You know, it just didn't make any sense to anyone, including the judge. Well, Andrew, the nurse, or, or nurse, Andrew Martin, he was pretty upset about this because he felt like this woman, Joy Comey, had ruined his life because she stepped in and, you know, interrupted this whole transaction. And somehow he was thinking he was going to benefit from this. And so... Because he, he, he was the one getting the house, right? No, it, he's the nurse. He was a nurse at the hospital. David Simons is the one, the carpenter, that he, that he the, supposedly this patient turned the deed over to him. Well, come to find out. What, what does Martin have? Well, that's what I was about to say. Oh, okay. Andrew Martin, his role in this is because he worked at the hospital. He had access to sensitive information that he was able to pull up from his records and give to David Simons so that he could then falsify documentation, making it look like they had this some sort of a, you know relationship or friendship together and also falsify the deeds and he, you know he had all of this private personal information 
And so that was Andrew Martin's role in it. It was basically helping him get the documentation and the information he needed to make it look like Mr. Wareheim turned over the house to him, you know, gifted it to him. So these two, you know, concoct this whole scheme. Who knows? Maybe the maybe Mr. Wareheim is sick in the hospital and they meet somehow because David Simons is coming to the hospital to maybe visit. And then they they are talking uh, and they just come up with this harebrained idea to literally steal this man's house right out from under him. I mean, just like, you know, when he dies, we'll be able to take this man's house. I don't know how in the world they thought this was going to (laughs) work. Yeah, you can't really just steal a house. (laughs) It's not really something that you can do. (laughs) Well, I mean, how do they not understand that there was literally going to be someone <laughs> in his family that would be in line yeah unless they just didn't know about the sister and they thought that he didn't have any family i guess i could see that because if it, maybe if the sister wasn't there then that wouldn't have been an issue and no one would have questioned it i don't know yeah but you would think that if you're going to steal someone's house you do your research before you go on and steal their house <laughs> You would think so. I mean, that's, I'm 15 and I know that's stupid. <laughs> Come on. Well, Martin, the nurse, was really irritated that this 70-year-old woman pretty much, in his own words, messed up his life. And so he's working at the hospital one day and he approaches an ER patient who he says looked like a big guy and asks this ER patient, have you ever hurt anyone? And the man says, um, I don't know, maybe, yeah, no, I don't know, maybe. Like, you know, how do you answer that question? Yeah. Like, is this a setup, you know? And so Martin keeps pressing, you know, on. He's like, well, you know, I mean, have you, have you ever killed anyone? Like, he's getting really, um, I don't know, that it's kind of getting serious, you know, he's like really hinting to him and he starts talking about this woman and how she's ruined his life, coming between him and all these plans and how he wants her out of the way. Well, he had, he eventually ends up offering like $10,000. Wow. $10,000. But really, that's not that much money. It's not that much money. It, I mean, this is a life you're talking about and it's worth, it's worth it. Would it be worth it to someone to take another person's life? $10,000? sure some people. I know, but I, it's worth less than that to some people, I guess, unfortunately. But... Those people will do it for free. Well, I know. It's just, <laughs> it's true. That's true. It's just that it just seems so ridiculous. Well, the man that he approached there in the emergency room, apparently thought it was crazy too because I guess he kind of went along with it. Who knows? Maybe he was kind of scared. I mean, maybe he's afraid to say no. Cause I mean, a guy just came up to you and it's like, hey, you, you want to kill someone for me, please? Mm-hmm. Someone that's literally like probably not even two rooms away from you. <laughs> well, she's 70 years old. Do you want to go kill a 70-year-old woman? I mean, this is ridiculous. Who literally has not done anything wrong other than stand up for what was rightfully hers. And 
So this man, I would imagine, was probably a little scared. You know, maybe he thought, okay, if I say no, is he going to hurt me? You know, like I, I, he might be afraid of him, you know? Well, what I don't understand is why, if you're going to do that, why not do it yourself, first of all? And then second of all, he would have more of a chance of getting away with it if he did it himself because he has more access to her than the other patient would. I mean, they would, the patient wouldn't have any kind of uh, excuse to be, you know, in her room or... Well, she wasn't a patient. Her. Oh, she wasn't a patient. No, it was her brother that was the patient that passed away. So how are... How how was he expecting a, a patient to le- just leave and go and kill this woman? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think what he he wasn't necessarily meaning for him to like leave right then, but he was just like, he met him there in the emergency room as a patient, and then just was trying to work this out. Like at some point, let's plan to do this. So because then that patient, once he left the hospital, he went to the uh, the authorities. And he told them that Andrew Martin offered $10,000 to me to kill a woman. And apparently this man wore a wire and then went and had a conversation with Andrew Martin. And he's on a a recording talking about this. And he's in the recording. He says that he wants him to, quote, put four in her head and make it look like a robbery. I mean, that's. That's cold-blooded. I mean, that really is. Uh, have you, n- like, never seen any crime show ever? If you, if you, I I mean, like, anyone with, with a brain in their head would know if you're just, if you just go up to any old average Joe, you know, you're, you, they don't, the only thing that you know about them is they look like they maybe have done something bad in their life and you just go up to them and are like, can you just can you kill this woman for me? I mean, you can't you can't trust that they're not gonna go, you know, tell someone. And then whenever you meet them, you're just gonna assume that they they're not wearing a wire or anything. I mean, in every crime TV show I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot, it, they always have a wire. Like they always check for a wire and stuff. But I mean, I I guess this guy's already stupid enough to be just going up to random a random person and just asking him to kill somebody. Well, isn't it? It's hard for me to understand how someone can be smart enough to get through nursing school and, and be a nurse, seriously, and then make decisions like that. I mean, Do they not a- teach you how to murder people in nursing school? No, they don't. They really don't. It's ridiculous. It's not on the list of things that they teach you. <laughs> thank goodness. Uh, but apparently for a lot of people, it, they don't have to. They just learn that somewhere else. Well, the fact that we're able to have a whole podcast about nurses killing people and then getting caught tells you that they are not good at it. So if you're a nurse and you're thinking you're going to kill somebody, just know you're probably not going to be good at it. <laughs> and of course, we don't just pick on nurses. It's, we have doctors on here. We have physical therapists, respiratory therapists. Yeah, any medical professional. Well, I think it's just pretty much people in general. It's, you know, we talk about healthcare professionals here because that's what we are. People who do bad things to other people are not just healthcare people. It's everybody. That's just people in general. You're going to have 
bad apples out there. You have people doing, making bad choices, doing bad things. They're probably so like well-trained at taking care of people. They're just not, it makes them not good at hurting people. (laughs) I don't know. I think there are probably a lot of people who, uh, a lot more people that get away with stuff that don't get caught, you know, but these are the people that did get caught. And I think also when people are in that mode, I guess, of doing something wrong, like, plotting to kill someone for some reason, either for revenge or because, or just out of hatred or for out of uh, greed, you know, for money or whatever, they're usually not thinking straight and they, they're not thinking clearly and they don't make the best decisions. And that's definitely something that we've learned from this podcast that people definitely do not make That's good one decisions. thing that I've kind of uh, noticed is Whenever someone is like a you know like serial killer or um, someone who is just sick in the head uh, and they're they're not killing for any reason you know to, they're just killing the kill usually um, their plot their planning is a lot more advanced and a lot more uh, smart than people who are killing for a reason like money or whatever because I, I feel like people who are killing then they actually have a they have a reason or they, they think they have a good reason to kill someone I, I don't think they they think much about am I gonna get caught they, they probably think about it but not as much as you know people who are just focusing on killing this person just because they want to kill a person. Yeah, so like I see what you're saying plus I bet like if somebody is truly a sociopath or a psychopath, they don't have the emotion involved in it. And emotions a lot of times are what cause you to not think clearly. So you're so angry at someone or you're so passionate about someone, you love someone so much that you want to kill like their lover or something, or you're so, you want that money so badly. So uh, it's, it's a highly emotionally charged situation and it, it just sort of confuses everything. But I guess like a psychopathic person they don't have those emotions involved. They they don't care. And so it's probably easier for them to be more methodical and plan things out and kind of think about like, if I do this, then will this happen or that happen? And so um, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's, Maybe that's the case. I, We're all just making up stuff. I feel, I feel like uh, if you're a serial killer, it's kind of like your hobby. And, you know, if, if it's your hobby, then you're going to, you're going to do it at the best of your ability to do it right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if you're a serial killer and you're just, you, you find it appealing or fun to kill people, then you're, you're going to do it right. Like you, you're not just going to go out and just kill random people, which I'm sure there's, there's people like that, but, but you know, I, I feel like the ones that I've seen, at least they, it's always very just, planned and just you can like every detail you know that they uh thought about it a lot um so it's it's, it's really that's the big difference between this nurse specifically and um you know pe- people who other people have noticed i get i mean it's it's probably not just medical professionals that end up always getting caught when they do things like this. But Well, it's interesting because it's not like he was going to get anything out of this. Okay, she won. She got the house. She got whatever money was associated with the sale of that house or whatever. And so Andrew Martin 
by killing her was not going to get anything for it. He was literally spending $10,000 to kill her. All he wanted was to steal a house from that guy, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the two of them, I guess, they're plotted to steal the house, sell it, and then I'm I'm sure split the proceeds from it, you know, whatever money they get from it. And she got the house. So it's not like if she's dead, they were going to, somehow the deed was going to go back to them. It That's not going to happen yeah. because it's hers. So I, it, he literally is, not only did he lose whatever money that he would have gotten from that house, but he is giving away $10,000 to try to have her killed. It, it's, it doesn't make any yeah, sense. At that point, it's just to make him feel better. It's not, yeah, it's just nothing but revenge. And, and to, for what? Like yeah. this woman, like what did she do? She It's her brother. It is... It's her brother. Yeah. Come on, guys. If you're going to kill someone, at least have a good reason. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, anyway. I love dark humor. Thank goodness that man that he approached in the ER had a conscience and was not about to take the money and went forward and wore the wire, did what he had to do. So... But we don't know if she survived yet because you haven't told that part of the story. Well, she did. Oh, Wow. What? And he even confirmed, like he 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 called Andrew Martin. He used a phone to call this guy, and so because he used a phone to sort of make the plans uh, for this murder, they were able to charge him uh, federally. And so uh, I guess that increases, you know, their the charges, the amount of years that he was spent in prison, and all of that. So he pled guilty to charges of conspiracy to com- to commit murder, wire fraud, and illegally obtaining private health information from Cleveland Clinic's computers. So he also admitted that he offered to pay $10,000 to a patient at the clinic to kill this woman. My thing is that I find so to me, strange is that he was only sentenced to 12 years behind bars. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I I honestly have mixed feelings about it because I mean, I will I will say if no one actually died doesn't mean that I know that he intended and thought that someone had died, uh, but no one actually died. So I guess it's kind of more of, well, even though he he even though he pretty much did everything to have her die um she didn't die so we can't give him life in prison if he if no one died see i don't really understand that i i know that that's the way it ended up but and maybe they maybe they didn't want to go through a trial i don't know but i it's hard for me to understand how he literally plotted to have her murdered called the man on the phone and even clarified with him and confirmed that she was dead. And the man said, yes, she's dead. So he thought he killed her. He obviously had every intention of killing her and giving the money over and he wanted her dead. And there's no doubt about that. So I don't understand how that shouldn't be the same thing as murdering someone, you know, just because it really didn't happen the way he planned it, that does, it's not like he planned it and then changed his mind, didn't do it. He planned it and it just didn't work. It's more like attempted murder. It's what it is, attempted murder. 
well, 12 years to me is just not, I don't know, but I never and think he's it's also longer. in his 20s. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 23 years old. Yeah. He's barely an adult. He's still going to be in his mid 30s. He, he, he just started drinking like two two years ago. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> go with that. <laughs> but I. Is that it for that story? That is. That, that is was our it? bad nurse story. So we can go on to our good nurse story, and we are still in keeping with the uh, trying to lift black voices and remember uh, what's going on in our world and with the Black Lives Matter movement, trying to keep that um, out there, keep, continue to talk about it. Every week, we're trying to highlight a black healthcare professional. And this week, I have one that I'm super excited about. It is Marie Van Britten Brown. And I'm excited about her because she was a nurse, but she was also an inventor. And my my husband is an inventor. He loves to invent things. And so this is sort of like when I see this, it makes me think of, of Mark and, you know, like I, I see this woman as being the super, super smart person who's able to come up with this. But she invented the first home security oh, system. Drum roll. I thought we were going to do a drum roll. Home security system. <laughs> so, but is that not amazing? Yeah. Marie Van Britten Brown, she was the inventor of the first home security system. That's that's just wonderful. Yeah, what, what year did she do it? Well, let's see. She filed for the patent for the the invention uh, in 1966. Uh, it, it was pretty amazing, like the things that she did in the t- at the time that she did. Like you know, mom, mom was telling me um, a l- just a little bit, not a lot, but I just just about what she invented and. I was kind of expecting it to be like maybe nineties, maybe not, maybe yeah, nineties, early two thousands, and then I'm like, well, when, when did she do this? And she's like, oh, sixty. And I'm like, I didn't even know that she they had these in the sixties. I think she's also credited with inventing the first closed circuit television. You know, closed circuit TV is like you know CCTV, like it's literally just kind of monitoring. Um, there's no sound usually, but so she was born in Queens in New York on October 22nd, 1922. And she lived there her whole life. She, she died in, on February 2nd, 1999. She was 76 years old when she passed away. When Joel was born. Yeah. So, like I said, the patent for the invention was filed in 1966. And her invention of course, kind of laid the groundwork for future home security systems. I mean, she's the one that started all of this. Her husband was, uh, he's Albert Brown. He was a, he was an electronics technician. And so they didn't work like typical nine to five jobs. And coming home at odd hours she was Marie was uncomfortable and kind of scared because they lived in a sort of a high crime rate area. And so even if they would call police, they wouldn't always get there quickly. So she was trying to find a way to help herself in her own security um, while, you know, creating something that would work for everyone. And so she created the system 
that would allow her to know who was at her house and contact the authorities. Um, and lock the doors. Yeah. So it was. That's what amazed me because it's wireless and that's just crazy. So she had this, this system that she created had peepholes. Um, it had a camera, monitors, and a two-way microphone. I mean, that's, that's pretty advanced for this time. Very, like, it's not, I was telling mom before this, like, it's not even, like, common for people to have those systems where you can lock your door, you know, from, from your phone. I mean, you, they have those now, but, you know, it's not common. You don't, you don't see it every, everywhere uh, for people to have that. And it's crazy that the first one was invented back then and it was wireless. Like, I didn't even, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it also had an alarm button that could be pressed to contact the police. They had three peepholes, and they would be put on the door at different height levels so that, you know, if you had someone who was tall or, you know, obviously children and then, you know, some anyone in between. So on the other side of the door, there was a camera that was there that had the ability to slide up and down to allow the person to see through each peephole. And the camera picked up images that would reflect on the monitor through a wireless system. And the monitor could be put anywhere in the house to allow you to see who was at the door. I mean, that sounds just like, you know, a system that we would have today. It's not, it doesn't sound like anything that big of a deal now. It's just that it was 1966 and it's the first one. And so, and it's a nurse that did this. So there was also, I know, there was a voice component where she could speak to the person outside from inside. And that way, she could tell whether she knew the person or not, and and if she thought, you know, it was somebody that she didn't know, and she was afraid of them, she could contact the police. It just kind of reminds me of like, I I, I can't really like TV shows, like usually like Nickelodeon or something like that. They always have that one. Uh, if it's like a family sitcom or something, they always have that one kid that like is su- super like tech savvy and has all this like. Weird, like uh, Drake and Josh, you know, Megan, she mm-hmm. had like all these like gadgets and stuff. And like, oh, I bet Marie was just like Megan, yeah. yeah. Like, you, <laughs> like, you walk always up to her, something, yeah, you walk into her house. I bet her neighbors were just scared of her because, like, you walk into her house and it's like you're walking into 2025 or something, or and you're just like, what is all and it's this the stuff? 60s? Well, she actually was able to get an award from the National Scientist Committee. And um, they did an interview, the New York Times did an interview about her from the December 6, 1969 edition. So her invention basically laid the foundation for security systems for the, you know, in the future. And it's just, to me, amazing. And I love that I found this story. She had two children. One of them, Norma Brown, also became a nurse and also became an inventor as well. So anyway, I just thought that was great. I love it. Marie Van Britten Brown, 1922 to 1999, nurse and inventor. If I if I was thinking like, I want to hear the history of a, the first home security system. Like I wouldn't have thought it would be that interesting. But that's actually like really cool that you it was made in the 60s. And like it's some of the things are more advanced than some of some of those security systems that we have now. I mean, it's it's really cool that she did that. But come on, the the potato gun is probably the 
<laughs> the most, the best thing that's ever happened. And the best invention. Yes. <laughs> Crazy, Levi. Well, you guys, I guess that wraps it up for another episode of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Are we ordering pizza tonight? We are ordering pizza. This is what I get for letting my 15-year-old come on this podcast. So I definitely want to help ask you to go to Instagram at Good Nurse, Bad Nurse um, and, or Facebook at GMBN Podcast and follow us. You can like and subscribe us, please. Um, and leave us a review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. And I also want to remind you guys that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be, be a, a good, good nurse. nurse. <laughs> or nurse's son. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you.